I want you to hit me as hard as you can. This lovable nerd took us on so many adventures filled with laughter and sometimes beer. Seeing Rick Moranis on the silver screen brings levels of cinematic comfort that nobody's nostalgia can come close to. You can really feel his presence. He reminds you of like an unthreatening Sunday school teacher or somebody's nerdy dad who may not necessarily be able to single-handedly fight off an army of killer monsters to save the world, but you know that Rick Moranis will do whatever it takes to protect his family, on and off the screen. He is in most of our childhood favorites, or adulthood favorites, depending on how old you are. But it does feel like forever since we have seen his face on film. And you know what? It has been forever. And that is why you have a hole full of sadness in your heart. A Rick Moranis-shaped hole. Movies haven't really been the same without everybody's favorite dork. So why did his professional artistic output come to an almost complete stop? How could one man walk away from it all? But mostly, we just want to know, what the f*** happened to Rick Moranis? You know, bleep this out. I have a tendency to use some words. Don't, you know what don't I'm worry, we can clean it up. In okay, Steven, I need a cigarette. I just want to take this time to say thank you for watching this. Like, share, and subscribe, and click that notification bell to get those notifications. Now back to the show. My guest today is my brother Doug McKenzie. And, How are you? Uh, he's, Good day. He's like an expert, right, on long underwear. That's right. Because he like dirties them so much. <laughs> Okay, no, seriously, though. But to truly understand what the fuck happened to Rick Moranis, we must start at the beginning of the beginning began when he was born on his birthday. 1953, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Young Rick Moranis would begin entertaining the world as a funny man radio DJ who soon got noticed in no time and was invited to join the third season of the famed improv theater's Second City Television where the beautiful, hilarious comedy of Rick Moranis would thrive. Rick Moranis and his buddy Dave Thomas were asked to create a two-minute sketch that had, quote, identifiable Canadian content. And the sketch they created featured the characters Bob and Doug McKenzie. And these characters became so popular that in no time they were featuring a Bob and Doug McKenzie sketch in every episode. And of course, this brought on some hilarious comedy albums that will tickle your funny bone through your ear holes. And when you create a monster that becomes that popular, there is only one thing to do. Create a movie. So Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas took the characters and co-wrote and co-directed as well as co-starred in the now cult classic, The Adventures of Bob and Doug McKenzie, Strange Brew. Okay. Uh, oh, nice going, you knob. Hey, what kind of movie is this? Uh. And this silly little movie, it received mostly positive reviews, with critics saying that this was a movie where you knew exactly what you were in for, and it did not disappoint on that front. And yeah, this one gets pretty wacky and out of control and, uh, you know, just downright silly. 
and it's beautiful. This movie pulled in two times its budget at the box office and has gone on to become a classic. A comedy classic. A Canadian comedy classic. A cult Canadian comedy classic. Hey, did you ever notice that, uh, like, in movies that they, when they're driving, like, they don't look at the road, like, for a long time? Pete, no, I, I never noticed that. Yeah, that's because, uh, they're being towed, eh? Really? By, like, Rick. That's... Rick Moranis would follow up Strange Brew with an unexpected turn in the Walter Hill-directed musical, Streets of Fire. This film would go on to underperform at the box office with only $8 million on a $14 million budget. And those critics, they found the film overly ambitious, but they appreciated the visual style and the incredible cast. And of course, this one did go on to become a cult classic because, you know, it's a Rick Moranis movie. And Rick Moranis is a wonderful addition to this bizarre flick. McCoy, can't you drive this car any faster? I don't want any farmers sneaking up on us. Let's get our asses out of here real quick. By this point, Moranis was already pretty much Canadian comedy royalty, but it was one movie released in 1984 that brought Rick Moranis to the attention of the rest of the world and beyond. Ghostbusters. And this movie right here opened our eyes to what a movie could be. And of course, Ghostbusters has an iconic, amazing cast. And this movie truly lived or died by its supporting cast. People like Annie Potts, Sigourney Weaver, and without question, Rick Moranis. Ghostbusters would have been really, really good, but Rick Moranis, he pushed it over to great, beyond great. Many of the aspects of this beloved character were Moranis bred. They came straight from his head, from his noggin, his own ideas. And of course, this movie right here is Rick Moranis' highest grossing domestic release, with a take of over 242 million in North America and nearly 300 million worldwide. So you want your movie to be good? Who are you going to call? You know, you should probably call Rick Moranis. Does anybody want to play Parcheesi? Okay, who brought the dog? Then he would reunite with his Streets of Fire director, Walter Hill, for a Richard Pryor, John Candy comedy called Brewster's Millions. This movie received mixed reviews, with most people saying that they expected it to be funnier because of the funny people involved. He would follow that up with Head Office, but this one only managed to make $3 million. Sounds like a lot of money if you don't have three million dollars, but it's actually, it's not a lot of money when you're dealing with these Hollywood fat cats. Moranis would kick off the year 1986 by appearing in the Harold Ramis-directed flick, Club Paradise. So my uncle and I are going down to the uh, islands for a couple of weeks. You want to come with us? Critics said that the film had some funny parts, but not enough to sustain its 104-minute runtime, and it only made 12 million off a of 15 million dollar budget. But it's not how you start the year 1986, it's how you finish the year 1986. And Rick Moranis would finish that year of 1986 off strong by starring in the big screen adaptation of the Broadway play, Little Shop of Horrors. Critics called the film a winning musical, and Roger Ebert, the guy with the thumbs, said that this was the type of movie that cults are made of. Are you in this cult? 
Little Shop of Horrors cost a reported $25 million and pulled in $39 million at the box office, which made the studio call this one an underperformer. However, this killer plant would eventually take over the world on home video. Suddenly see more. Then came the year 1987 and Rick Moranis' sole output of that year was, for my money, one of the greatest parody films ever made. Mel Brooks's Spaceballs. Rick Moranis would play the villain in the film, Lord Dark Helmet, and he would deliver some of the funniest lines in the entire movie. He stole the show. Spaceballs pulled in $38 million off a $22 million budget and received lukewarm reviews, with most critics finding it funny but saying it missed the mark, being released 10 years after Star Wars. But of course, this was another misunderstood classic, and has gone on to become one of the most beloved comedies in the galaxy. Everybody got that? Good! Then came the year 1989, and that was a pretty massive one for Moranis. He would return to the world of busting, Ghost, for the paranormal sequel Ghostbusters 2. This sequel would go on to make 215.4 million worldwide. But critics were not fond of the second Ghostbusters, saying that it lacked the charm of the original. And it appears that Rick Moranis was offered a role in the new, new Ghostbusters, but he declined to return. Ah, nuts. <laughs> then came Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and Moranis would launch another iconic franchise, appearing as everybody's favorite amateur inventor, or not-so-mad scientist. And in this one, he hilariously shrinks his children. The original title for this movie was called Teeny Weenies, and this was actually written as a Chevy Chase project, but he couldn't do it because he was on vacation. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids would go on to earn almost $223 million at the box office, off an $18 million budget. Critics were very warm to the film, calling it a winning family adventure. Rick Moranis would then finish 1989 off by starring in a hit dramedy, Parenthood, opposite Steve Martin. And this film was a huge hit, pulling in $126 million and earned strong reviews, calling the film thoughtful and very funny with a delightful cast. And of course, Rick Moranis was part of that delightful cast, and he made it just a little more delightful. Then came the movie My Blue Heaven, about the famed mobster Henry Hill. So it's literally the same story as Goodfellas, but with a different type of sense of humor. My Blue Heaven received so-so reviews, calling it a great concept with disappointing execution. He would also lend his vocals to an animated series called Gravedale High, playing the only human at a high school filled with vampires, werewolves, and mummies, and Frankensteins. Frankenstein's monsters. The series only lasted a lucky 13 episodes. Well, glad you could join us, Gil. Now, let's continue our discussion on what we all want to be when we grow up. Then came the year 1991, and this year, sadly, would be full of tragedy. 
for this legendary comedian. His wife passed away of cancer in February of that year. And from that moment, Moranis would make the decision to slow down his professional life, to focus not only on grieving, but raising his family. In 1992, he would reverse course and blow up his kid. Not like kaboom, but like as in giant. And this film was not originally a sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Instead, it was titled Big Baby. And this big baby would make 96 million at the box office. Reviews for this sequel were pretty negative, with most calling it a one-joke premise stretched out too long, or blown up. But in 1992, I loved this flick. So I don't know what those haters are talking about. In 1993, we would see Rick Moranis appear in the Eric Idle movie, Splitting Airs. Get it? Box office numbers for this one don't seem to be readily available to the... to the public. They seem to be top secret. However, according to Wikipedia, the film performed poorly. And everything on Wikipedia is 100% true, you guys. First up in the year 1994 AD, Anno Domini, was the big screen take on The Flintstones, where Rick Moranis would play Barney Rubble, opposite John Goodman's Fred Flintstone. Now I know that this movie got lambasted when it was released, and it's not exactly looked upon as a classic by today's standards, but 1994 me loved this flick. So there. This film was released May 27, 1994 to some not great reviews. Critics actually really liked the effects of the Flintstones, and yeah, it looks interesting, it looks great. But the story does fall flat. But that didn't stop families from eating this one up. And to this day, The Flintstones is Rick Moranis' highest grossing film worldwide making over $341 million. The second unofficial classic film that Rick Moranis made in 1994, A.D. Anno Domini, is, for my money, one of the greatest football films ever made, Little Giants. This is one of those mid-90s kids underdog sports movies that they just don't seem to make anymore. This genre right here is a, is a true lost art. This film received mixed reviews, many people appreciated the underdog story, but a lot of those critics found the humor to be juvenile. Yes, a kid's movie, where the humor is juvenile. Can you believe it? I have first-hand experience. I played peewee football in the mid-90s. And these little giants right here, they captured the true spirit and tone of that environment perfectly. Rick Moranis would finish 1994, not in movie theaters, but in amusement parks. With Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. This right here is an amazing 4D ride that cuts you, the audience, down to size. Minuscule size. Teeny weeny. And I remember going on this ride when I was younger and I absolutely loved it. I loved the 3D screen, I loved the 4D smells and, and feels. It's just a great amusement park experience. And the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise? Yeah, it's perfect ride material. Is this one still around though? In the year 1996, we would see Rick Moranis' 
final appearance in a theatrically released live-action film. And that film is the classic pairing of Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold in Big Bully. And this film has a rare 0% on those tomatoes that are rotten.com, but we all know that tomatoes can't be trusted. And Big Bully would be a huge box office bomb, pulling in just $2 million off a $15 million budget. The next year, 1997, would see Rick Moranis return to the world of shrinking people by appearing in the direct-to-video sequel, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves where this time, the adults get down. This was actually Disney's first ever live-action direct-to-video film. So there's that. And as of today, this is Rick Moranis' final live-action role. Those pesky critics did not enjoy this one, though, calling it stale and boring. But 1997 me loved watching this adventure over and over and over on that Disney Channel. And since this film, there was a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV series, minus Rick Moranis, but there may be some good news on the horizon when it comes to the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids franchise. Disney picked up a pitch by Josh Gad for a new film titled Shrunk, which would see Rick Moranis return to the franchise, and Shrunk was set to be shot in the year 2020, but for some reason, I don't know why, that, that just didn't happen in the year 2020. Yeah, you know, the, the world had other plans when they decided to shut it down, and they put this one on the back burner. And there are rumors that they'll get back to filming this one in 2022. Oh yeah, and he had some wonderful appearances on Muppets Tonight. Like we all know, since the death of his wife, Rick Moranis, had taken a step back from the public eye. Understandably so. But in 1997, he finally addressed the issue by saying, quote, I'm a single parent, and I just found that it's too difficult to manage to raise my kids and to do the traveling involved in making movies. So I took a little bit of a break. And that little bit of a break turned into a longer break. And then I found that I really didn't miss it. And nobody can blame you, Rick. You did the right thing. And we will forever have respect for the decision you made. A true hero who did the right thing. Although Rick Moranis retired from live-action filmmaking, he would still lend his vocals to the occasional animated project, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys. Also, he would lend his voice to the Disney hit animated film Brother Bear, opposite his strange brew partner, Dave Thomas, as a pair of Canadian mooses. Meese? Meeses? Moose? Is, is moose just the plural for moose? Well, whatever it is, these animated animals, frickin' hilarious. Whoever had the idea to cast these two Canadians, you know, they, they, sh they should get a raise or something. But Brother Bear received mixed reviews from those pesky critics. However, everybody loved the comic relief of Moranis and Thomas. And yeah, this one made a hefty $250 million at the box office. And even though he was stepping away from 
movies, he was still, you know, doing his thing, expressing himself comedically and artistically. In 2006, Moranis would receive a Grammy nomination for Best Comedy Album. And since then, he's kind of kept, you know, a low profile. From time to time, you'll see him pop up in something, like a 2007 Bob and Doug McKenzie TV anniversary special. And he would executive produce an animated series of Bob and Doug. However, he would not provide the voice, because, you know, he was retired from that acting stuff. Instead, they would have Full House's Dave Coulier provide the voice, because Uncle Joey can do anything and everything. The series lasted two seasons with 15 episodes. Then he would kind of just, you know, do his thing, live a normal life, raising kids. Oh, but in the year 2020, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that one year, Moranis would pop up in an episode of the Disney Plus series Prop Culture, where they discussed the props of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Also in that year, 2020, Moranis would pop up in a Mint Mobile commercial opposite Ryan Reynolds. And you know what? Rick Moranis should totally be in a Deadpool movie. Like, I'm just saying. Do it. That's it? That's it. And then, as if that year 2020 wasn't bad enough already, and our faith in humanity wasn't already at an all-time low, on October 1st, 2020, some absolute piece of garbage trash walked up to Rick Moranis, who was just walking on a sidewalk minding his own business, and punched him in the face. Like that horrible fucking knockout game. Moranis suffered injuries to his head, back, and hip. The security footage made its way online and invoked outrage by all of us who grew up with this legend. And that cowardly criminal was eventually caught. Assaulting an innocent person for no reason is evil enough. But when that person is Rick motherfucking Moranis? My god, that's crossing the line. Nobody, not nobody touches our pal Rick, you hear? It took a month and a half, but there has been an arrest in the assault of actor Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis is a legend, plain and simple. This scrawny little dude came out of nowhere and took the comedy world by storm, creating memorable characters that have stood the test of time. Sadly, tragedy befell him early on, which saw him take a step back from the limelight in order to focus on his family. But even with a reduced output, his legendary status still survives. I'm a little partial to the Rick Moranis cup. What do you think? Does it look like me? Collect all three cups, only at McDonald's. So thanks for all the laughs. Thanks for all the films. And thanks for making it cool to be a little nerdy. So you know what, Mr. Moranis? You do not need to be walking alone down a dark, creepy sidewalk. You have millions of supporters out there who totally got your back and would never let anything bad happen to you. We promise. So nobody should give a fuck about what the fuck happened to Rick Moranis. Because he's doing just fine. Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel. Tell your friends who like this sort of content and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all of our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all your support.